Welcome to Living in the Matrix. I'm Jonathan, and I'm left of center. And I'm Rich, and I tend to lean a little bit more to the right. But the bottom line is, is together we try to look for the balance of what it means to be human in today's world. My partner, my co-host Rich, is actually in Spain right now on the Camino de Santiago, so he's not going to be joining us. But I have been so looking forward to this because I, I follow your content. And I am in the beginning process of learning about unified field and quantum theory. And you have been someone that I've been following and learning from. And what I wanted to do in this conversation is really just unpack your journey of how you got to where you are and some of the important things that you've learned. Because the idea of a unified field is so new I don't think most people really know about it, but you are way ahead of the curve. So why don't you begin by telling me, how did you really discover what you know and maybe give a little bit of an intro to your journey? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it was a, a bit of a, a, a strange journey, to, to put it another way. Um, I, I was up from the age of 16 to 28, I was in the Royal Navy, so I had a military career. So I was very much focused on me and what I wanted to become, uh, you know, because we all want to fit in society and do what society expects. And we have to you know, do well and be successful. I then left there. At, uh, I was uh, pretty much broke uh, in, in every sense of the word, financially, spiritually, motivationally. But I did a few things. I ended up getting a, a very good job with Apple computers, uh, got into sales, uh, did very well there. And then I bought a business, a, a little gymnasium type business. Uh, I lost a lot of money there. And I got to a point where my life had been a series of roller coasters. I did well, lost it, did well. Lost it. And I was 80,000 pounds in debt. Uh, we were about to have the house repossessed. So make my family homeless and I think that was the lowest point in my life so being an old school man with old school thinking I thought you know I'm not a man here let's just finish this I, I had a tree in the back garden I was going to actually commit suicide I was going to hang myself from the tree and someone gave me a set of tapes audio tapes and it was uh, Tony Robbins uh, Awaken the Giant Within I remember it now I'd never heard anything like this before you know but I had nothing to bargain with and nowhere to go. So I put the earphones in, started listening to them. And it was just some of the things that Tony Robbins said. I thought, well, if it works, I'll give it on, on the personal development sort of route. And it worked. And within probably two or three years, or maybe 18 months, we paid off all the debt. We got out of debt and things kept coming to me. I kept asking for things and things kept happening. And I thought, well, this is pretty good because if you ask for stuff and it happens, I'll ask for more of it. So I started to visualize the house I wanted to live in. <laughs> I started to visualize the, the car I wanted to drive. I started to visualize the amount of money I wanted to earn. And it, it happened. It, you know, um, and I, I wasn't sure how this was working. So as I was progressing on that route and, and my route at the time was very much about you know let's be successful you know because everyone needs to be successful you have to have a place in society and that was working and then I started to to study Buddhism uh, I was introduced to a Buddhist monk and he taught me about Buddhism and the two what I was studying and what he was talking about was very much in, in alignment and the reason I got I got introduced to the Buddhist monk was uh, I had a bad temper um, because the way I was treated in the, in the Navy uh, in the end was very bad and I left with a grudge. So I had a, an anger management problem and a friend of mine said, look, I need to sort this for you. So he introduced me to a Buddhist monk and it's a brilliant story in itself, but we'll do that one another day. But he was my start on the journey into sort of looking at the spiritual side of things. And I started, and when I first met him, he started to speak to me about quantum mechanics and quantum physics. He didn't talk to me about Buddhist principles at all. Right. And he, he said, but the two are aligned. And I thought, well, this is this is pretty cool. You know, I like this. And then I, I started a training company. 
and we had a lot of people come to train with us, a lot of ex-forces guys and girls because I'm ex-forces. And it surprised me how many people were suffering with anxiety and depression and they had no, no confidence in themselves. So that took me off on a route and I became a cognitive hypnotherapist. I studied NLP and EFT, all, all to help these people do stuff. And that branched me off then deeper into the studying of how the mind and body works. And that was a fascinating journey in itself. So I, I just came came up with a name called quantum thinking. I just made it up. And I thought, well, that, I'll call it that because that's what I think it is. And I wrote a book about it because by writing things down, that's how I learn. So I wrote the book. And it's really developed from there. Uh, and it's it's a mix of a, a lot of things. You know, um, I've studied Buddhism. I've studied Hinduism. I've studied Zen. I've, I've studied Christianity, um, all, all from the philosophies and principles. And as you mentioned earlier on, you know, some of this stuff is you, you believe is relatively new. Well, it's not. It goes back thousands it's of years. It's not. I'm discovering it's not. I'm. It's new for me. Yeah. Yeah, because it's been around for a long time. It's always been there. We just haven't been able to see it. That's very true. Because, and I think the reason we don't see it is our our vision is like a spotlight, and we look on things that we need to be and that we need to do. Um, when the reality is is right in front of our eyes, but we don't see it because we're not looking for it. You know, so so that's how my journey began. You know, and uh, I've just deepened that journey. I, I read ferociously now I, I have six books sat on the arm of my chair over there you know I, I study I, I help and I help people uh, well, I get great great pleasure in helping people and by helping people I grow so I learn more about them about me and about what I study let me ask you this um because you talked a little bit about your arc and coming into discovering quantum thinking uh what did you grow up in did you grow up with no kind of spirituality or did you grow up in christianity or in new zealand was it catholicism what what did you grow up in i, I grew up in the united kingdom and i mean united kingdom sorry yeah no it's fine um we, we didn't go to church i think i went to sunday school um when i was little i can't really remember but there was no religious aspect to my life at all you know my mother was a, a believer that you know you can you can be just being good is being a christian and you can be good at home and it starts at home and one of the reasons we didn't go to church um, was my father, when he was very young, he, he wanted to be a priest. And he got interviewed by some priests and they asked him some very, shall we say, searching questions that he found as, as a young boy quite disturbing. And that put him off going into the priesthood. So he, he wanted nothing more to do with the church. You know, so no, there was no religious motivation to what I was doing at all. When you discovered sort of, this idea of I can actually change my future. Why did Buddhism kind of dovetail into that? What what happened there that made you kind of say, okay, this is really moving in the right direction? Yeah, like I said, uh, the, the Buddhism was there because I could manifest and you know, get what I wanted by thinking about it. And I was very, very strong at visualizing and, and doing that. But the, when I when I got it, I thought, well, is is this it? You know, what's the next thing I need to get? And what's the next thing I need to get? So I just kept doing this. And you you suddenly realize, you come to a point where you realize that doing that without a real purpose in life is pointless. You know, and it's like now, you know, when, when I took early retirement at the end of last year, my wife and I decided to do that. Um, and we gave the business away. You know, it was a very good business. It was earning a, you know, turning over a lot of money. And we didn't even try and sell it. We just gave it to the trainers and said, look, it's yours now. You do with it as you see fit. And you get to this point where wanting stuff becomes less important. So you, you start it away, you know, and you start wanting for less. And that, I, I suppose, is where the Buddhist aspect of, of, of suffering comes from. Because if you look at Buddhism, they say one of the main causes of suffering is grasping at things. You know, it's holding on to things, not wanting to let go of things, um, wanting more material things in your life. So you're always clambering for the next thing. And it is quite um, liberating uh, when you let things go. When you discovered that you had this capacity to manifest and it worked over and over and over, 
there's a natural progression of wanting to get more stuff. At what point did the stuff stop, stop losing its or lose its value in terms of what you were after? Because it sounds like you kind of had that hill and you climbed over and realized, hey, it's not just about the stuff. Is that what happened? Yeah, it, it is. You know, it's and I think I mean, Jim Carrey actually made a point about this on one of his videos. He said that everyone should achieve success. They, they should all be successful in whatever they want to be successful in. Because once you become successful, you realize it's not about success. And he's out. Because you can't take it, you know, you, you, there's no pockets in shrouds. You can't take it into your grave with you. So, you know, how many shirts do you do you need to wear? You know, you only wear one shirt at a time. So I think the I wouldn't say, I was going to say I got bored of it. That's not true. Um, you, you get to the point where you think, well, if I, if I really want that, I can have it, uh, you know, okay. and but you start asking the question, how does this work? I still know how it worked. I just knew if I did it, I'd get it. I didn't know how it worked. And that got me into thinking about the metaphysical side of things. And that linked with the Buddhism, studying the quantum mechanics and the other scriptures I was reading. It takes you to a point where you realize that there's no point of separation between any any one of us and everyone else on this planet. There's no point of separation between any of us and anything in the cosmos. We're, we're absolutely connected. Uh, and therefore, if there's no separation, then everything that did exist exists now and is going to exist is already there all the possibilities exist in the present moment it's it's about using that for for good you know i mean how many new cars you know, i mean i suppose what i did when i was younger you know you want a new car go think of getting a new car now it doesn't have, you know, i must make this point clear i get a lot of questions about this from people they say well if i if i think about having a million dollars or a million pounds or is it going to appear in my bank account? No, it's it's absolutely not going to happen like that. You know, it doesn't work that way. What will happen is is the focus of your mind will change. If if you want to change anything, you have to start with yourself. And when the focus of your mind changes, you'll start to see opportunities that will take you towards your ability to create that that million dollars or million pounds. But there's still effort, and the universe will bring it to you. It it just you won't know when you won't know how because in in the fifth dimension time doesn't exist time is something we use here as a measuring tool so it doesn't understand time but it will come to you you just don't know by by what route and sometimes it, it, people want stuff but what they want is not what they need and the, the universe is is greater than all of us although we are so therefore we are as great as the universe so it will bring us what we need, not necessarily what we want. So what was that like for you when you suddenly discovered, oh, I have this unique capacity that's available to all of us to manifest. And you get all this stuff, but at what point did it start, you start realizing that it's not what you needed? When was that? Oh, probably about 15, 15 or so years ago. Yeah. You know, um, and with, and with, I, I was very successful in my chosen. I started with nothing, became very successful. And you get to the point where success brings its own burdens, you know, so everyone wants a piece of you. You're, you're constantly getting calls about this. You're solving problems for other people. And it can be quite demanding, although, you know, I was fortunate to do what I love, you know, wanted to do, and I was happy that I did it. But you get to the point where you think, well, you know, why am I doing this for when they can when they can do it too? And it's in if I, if I go back 15, 20 years, if someone had said to me, you'd be having this about manifesting stuff and how the universe works, I'd have said to you, not me. I'm I'm an old school ex Royal Navy sailor. You know, that's for people who wear open toed sandals and dance around trees in the in the bushes. It, not right. Me. It, it happened. It, it came that way because I, I got to the lowest point in my life um, uh, when I when I got myself and the family into financial debt. So I'd have done anything to get out of that debt. And fortunately, you know, those tapes helped, and it took me on that journey of, of personal development to 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 basically wake up and realize that 
it, you know, everyone can do stuff. You know, it's not difficult. You've just got to not believe in it. You've got to have faith in it. And there's a difference between belief and faith. You know, you can believe that a parachute works, but, you know, if to put it on and jump out of the plane, that takes faith, not belief, you know. So and people want stuff. They, they hope things will happen. Hope's not going to do it. You, you, you know, it's not, it's not going to occur. Faith in the, in the acceptance of the fact that you, it's already occurred is the key. You have to start from that position. And Neville Goddard, one of the greatest teachers on this, has always spoken about this, as do all the other greats. And all I'm doing, by the way, you know, I'm, I'm just a bloke. I just, you know, I'm lucky enough to stand on their shoulders. Is that if you want something, you have to come from a point of acceptance that it's already happened. And you you, you give gratitude for the fact it already ha happened. And you engage the heart. The heart's far more powerful than the brain. Uh, and, that, and when you get that heart-mind coherence, and anything yeah. that that's really the key for me as i begin to look so rich and i are looking into this discovery of manifesting and for us it's a brand new journey i think i've done it all my life but i don't think i've been conscious of it now that i'm conscious of it i'm discovering oh it really pushes your buttons because it forces you to like having faith is a developed process it's not easy because it pushes our bound it says i'm you know pushes this into our uncomfortable zones of uncertainty like oh my i have to believe that i'm actually worth this happening to and that confronts for a lot of people did you really struggle with that in terms of if i'm am i even worth this yeah yeah absolutely first absolutely you know i mean who, who am i to to ask for stuff that, that in, in our normal way of thinking is way above my station if that's the right way of putting it but when we realize that you know we are a universal being we're, we're limitless you know we're, we're bigger than we could ever imagine then why why can't we have it you know wh why shouldn't we have it i mean it was roughly four years ago uh, i had a heart attack and that was an interesting time because i had it 200 miles away from home I was away teaching and I drove home instead of going to the hospital I drove home a because I'm stupid uh but b I thought well if I'm gonna die I'll die at home but it was a really strange thing but because all this studying they were, I was just completely calm with it I was not stressed at all and went to the doctors had all the tests etc etc and he I'm writing this prescription this long with pills and I, I said what's why why the big list and he said well these four are, are what you need that's for for to heal the heart attack all the all the others for the side effects that these four will give you and i said i'm not taking them he said why i said i don't need them he said you you'll be very sick i said i won't and he said i've been a doctor he said i'm one of the top heart surgeons in this country i've been a doctor for many many years mr Dawes. if you don't take these you will suffer i said i won't i said Keep your negative hypnosis to yourself. I'll be fine. And this March, I went back for a checkup. And, and I've been doing a lot of work on my heart. I've been doing specific meditations to heal the heart and everything. And the heart surgeon said, we had to send your test results back three times. I said, why? He said, there's no scar tissue on your heart. I said, okay. He said, no, it's not okay. He said, if you've had a heart attack, it leaves scar residue. I said, okay. Right. He said, you haven't got any. I said, great. He went, but how? So I said, what? Well, I, I believe my heart would heal. He said, you can't just believe it. I said, no, I had complete faith it would heal. I said, and I, and I started healing it from the moment I had the heart attack. And he said, and, and it was, to, and I would have said the same as him. You know, he said, it's not possible. I said, well, you explain it then. I said, because <laughs> it, it's done, you know. And, and, I'm, and I'm not saying this to, try and say that i'm you know I, I have this innate capacity and i you know i can heal all, all this you know i'm not saying it for that reason it's just the fact I'm, I'm a basic guy and i keep saying this i'm just a basic guy and if i can do that anyone can do it i've had a friend of mine heal himself from cancer i've had another friend of mine who had a bleed on the brain and a, and a stroke he's healed himself from both he's running triathlons now you know and we're all just normal guys you know and there's people out there that can do this stuff 
you talked about, you kind of described it in the perfect way uh, for me is you called it negative self-hypnosis. Unpack that, what you mean by that, because I think that is really at the core is there's this internal dialogue that we're not worth it. We're not worth healing. This is just the way life is. You tapped in on the other side and said, no, we are worth it. We do have this capacity and I'm going to do it. Unpack that self-hypnosis idea a little bit. Well, it's interesting because like I said before, I'm, I'm a cognitive hypnotherapist and hypnosis is all about the power of suggestion. And if someone's in a position of authority, it makes suggestion very easy. Because if, you, if you've got a white coat and you're a doctor and that doctor gives you a prognosis, you'll believe that doctor whether the prognosis is good or bad. That's a suggestion. So everyone is being hypnotized every minute of every day. If you watch the television, it's full of hypnosis. Marketers, marketers engage people like me that understand language structures and, and how to create hypnotic script. Um, and they pay people that I've, I've never done it, but they pay people with, with skills similar to mine a lot of money because it makes, makes people buy stuff they don't necessarily need or want. You know, so we're getting suggestions all the time, but we buy into this stuff, you know, and when you're little, you, which you is know, faith, right? Isn't the buying in process faith? Yes, it's, it's faith to a degree, but it's, it's more that, that it's consumerism. You know, we, yeah. we've been taught to consume, you know, and you see it on the advert. So-and-so has got this and you've got to have this because you haven't got this. You're not as good as them. And, you know, Joe next door has got a better car and he gets this. You, you can, And you can get this car with no money down and all this nonsense. So we, we're at an early age, we're bought into consumerism all the time. And that's a that's a religion in itself. It's a completely different doctrine. But you, you look at what we're saying. I mean, I, I say this. When I, when I used to run courses, I say, how many people here meditate? Maybe in a group of 50 would put their hand up. I say, all right, how many people pray? Maybe one or two people put their hand up. So if the rest of you don't meditate, you pray. They go, no. So you do. I said, but you meditate and pray the wrong way. I said, you, you'll say things like, oh, life's rubbish, and, you know, and this is bad, and I hate doing this. I said, they're prayers, they're meditations, they're mantras. Yeah. I said, and if you repeat that long enough and strong enough, you'll create a network in your brain that will make that real. And then that will be your life. And they go, really? So, yeah, yeah. And I'll say, look, I'll tell a joke right now. Let's say half of you in the room are offended, but half of you find it funny. Who's right? And we say, well, I don't know. So, well, you're all right. The joke's just the joke. Your perception, interpretation of it, that's your power, which can also be your curse you know, dependent on how you look at stuff. Society now, particularly Western society, is very concerned with, you know, what, what we're allowed to say and what we're not allowed to say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just words. The offence or, or whatever we choose to take from that, that's down to us. That's a choice. But then we say we don't have that choice because you shouldn't have said it in the first place, you know. And I think the beauty about getting to the point I'm at now is you you care enough not to care about the nonsense. Yeah. That's how I feel is I feel like I've reached a point. I'm 55. I've reached a point in my life where I have I've given myself the freedom not to care about what anybody else thinks, hmm. which allows me the freedom to think freely, but I also want positivity. I want love because love is the best expression of who I am. But at the same time, I've got to give other people the, the freedom to not think the same way. And I, I think going back to the self-hypnosis thing, it's the hard part about it is that we can actually script. People don't understand. We can script our body to be negative and to miss out and to uh, not take care. And we don't even realize it. And like you said, that's part of the hypnosis process that comes at us through media, through marketing, and um, that uh, keeps us stuck in that place of I can't. When the reality is they already are, they're just letting someone else write the script. And that's yeah. the hard part. Yeah, it's good. Uh, you actually just used the words just now yourself, Jonathan, which is, you know, I want. I don't want, just be it. Yeah. That's hard, though, because we want to recognize what's going on inside. Like, I want it, I want it, I want it. But that's not the way to get it. No. How, how would you explain to someone how you manifest? What, how would you break it down for someone? 
well, it's quite simple, really. If if I want something, then I visualize it. Okay, so I, I put the frontal over the brain to work. So I create a vision of it. I see it clearly. I get to the point where I can smell it in my mind. You know, I, I can taste it or touch it. But then that that sends the signal out. That's the transmission going out, just like a TV signal going out from a TV station for a program. But then yeah. you create the heart gratitude, the heart love, and you give thanks for having it. Now that's the receiver. So when you send the transmission out, that says this is what I have, and this says now you've got it. So the heart, the brain, and the heart have to work at the same frequency, and you've got to bring your your, your heart rate and your brain frequency down to something like a theta level of, of frequency because most of us are operating at beta, um, mm -hmm. because all manifestation will take place on that basis. But you've got to to get around this. I'm not worthy. I, I shouldn't have it. I can't have it. You know these, these limiting self beliefs. You got to reprogram your your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is ninety five percent of what's going on in, in, in your operation as a human being. Your conscious mind is only five percent. You can't fight ninety five percent with five percent. You're going to lose if you try consciously wanting it, but you're programmed at a subconscious level that you're not worthy. You got to change that programming first. And that's where you come down to the theta level of brainwaves so that you can get into the operating system and change it. Okay. That, that's a key thing. You've got to get rid of those limiting beliefs, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not a difficult process. Once you, you understand that you are universal, you are one with everything and therefore you are limitless and that everything already exists. Everything that was, everything that is, everything's going to be already exists. I mean, Einstein even said this, all possibilities already exist in the quantum field. So, I mean, science has pr proved this. Spirituality has proved this. All the, all, the, all the ancient cultures and religions have proved this. So we just have to ask for it, but ask in the, in the right way. You said you reached a point where you realize it's not just about the stuff. And um, it's about, uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I forgot what you were saying, but there was a shift when you realize it's not just about getting and it's about something more. What, what is that more for you? In terms of how do you take this gift, this awareness, and use it for good? How does that work out for you? Well, I mean, to get to the point where you realize you don't need more stuff, that's when you realize that you already have everything. You know, this this is everything, you know. Um, and what I started doing when I took early retirement was... But that's what, let me stop here and say, that's different. So when you actually have everything, you are living from a consciousness that is quantum. This mm. is, I already have everything. Yeah. When I need it, I yeah. can tap it, but you don't need to tap everything. You only need what you need right now. So you're yeah. looking for that, right? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Totally. I mean, my wife and I are going through a process now of getting rid of stuff. You know, we, every day we, we set a goal every day. We, we give something away that we don't need. We just give it to people that need it. Um, but yeah, you know, what's, what's really important is coming to realize what we are, you know, and one, one of the questions that, that I meditate, you know, who, who am I, you know, who, who is this Mark Dawes guy for 30 years, you've been living this facade of, of being this expert in your field of doing this, that, and the other. Uh, and we need to, once you, once you stop doing that, and this, and this is why I think a lot of people struggle with retirement is once they stop being that they don't know who they are so you have to figure out who you are and, and and you realize that you are no thing that's who we are we are no thing we are and that no thing that emptiness allows us to to be filled with everything that's in the cosmos so in buddhism uh Thich Nhat Hanh, the great great zen master you know he, he taught that you know because of emptiness everything is possible you know so you, you look at a, a flower a flower contains every part of the cosmos within it because if you took the sunlight out and you took the rain out and you took the nutrients out, the flower wouldn't exist. You know, if you took the person out that planted the seed or the bird that dropped the seed, flower wouldn't exist. So everything interacts and interis with everything else. And when you realize that, it, it, that realization is so liberating that you realize, well, do I need a new laptop? You know, well, well, just, just because I want one. You know, it, it becomes pointless, totally, totally pointless. Do much more good with it. So what I started doing 
was I, I was posting little 60 second reels. I still do it on, on Instagram. And I, and I did it because I thought. That's, I that's how I found you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I thought when you get to the point where you care enough not to care about whether people like you or not, it doesn't matter. You can say what you like, you know, yeah. and I just put, I'm, I'm just going to just put this out there because it might help one person. And it went mad. Uh, it went it went absolutely crazy. I think we I hit 7.1 million accounts in 90 days or something like that. And I had thousands, thousands of people contacting me, you know, wanting to do things like this and wanting help. And some people came to me who were, who were suffering with, with personal and physical issues, and I was able to help them and chat to them. I've had phone calls with people in Canada, in the US, uh, in Dubai, you know, and don't charge them for it. I just, you know, we get on a, on a right. thing and we have, we have a chat. And it, it's just, you know, I, I just tell them, look, you know, this this is what I believe. This is what I've 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 come to the understanding of. And if it helps you, great. You know, if it doesn't, then that's fine. You know. Unpack quantum thinking. How did you kind of come to that? And um, because for me, it's the quantum field I discovered about ten years ago, but never dove in. It was part of my master's program, and I'm just now uncovering the depth of it. Right. Uh, Rich, who's my podcast host, he got into transcendental meditation and mm -hmm. in it, they talk about the, the quantum field a lot. And how did you discover it? And, and how did, what is quantum thinking for you? Cause you kind of gave it a specific term. Yeah. I mean, as I said before, I, I just made up the words, you know, quantum thinking yeah. um, because I, I, thought I'd deliver a course on it and I couldn't think what to call it. So I called it quantum thinking. And then I wrote a book about it called understanding quantum thinking. I'm a pretty simple guy, really, on that level. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's about understanding how things work at the smallest level, you know, at the subatomic level and how that affects things at the material level. Cause we, we've got two different universes going on. We've got the, the material level that works on the old uh, physics of, of Newton and everything else. Uh, and then you've got the quantum, world which works at the subatomic level where all the weirdness takes place and it's it's absolutely fascinating change stuff at the quantum level things have got to change at the at the physical level you change things at the metaphysical level things have got to change at the, the, the physical level so if you take your your example we're made up roughly of 50 to 60 trillion cells and each cell does six trillion things a second now that's a phenomenal thing just to get your head around okay those cells in turn are made up of atoms which are made up of subatomic particles. Now, subatomic sub particles bounce in and out of existence all day long. So if you think about it, if you those cells are made up of particles that sometimes aren't there. So that's why we're empty. Is, are you with me or am I losing you? I'm, are you with no, me? I am with you. And if you, if you took all the emptiness, if you like, out of every cell in the human body, the physical stuff that will be left will be nothing bigger than a grain of sand or a grain of salt. Now, the, st the story's in the Bible and, and in the Quran on this. Right? Now, if you took all the emptiness out, out of every cell, out of every human being on planet Earth, all nearly 8 billion of us, the physical stuff that will be left will be nothing bigger than the size of an apple or a tennis ball. So if, if this is fact, which we know it to be, why are we always worrying about the physical stuff? Why don't we pay more attention to the, the subatomic stuff that we can influence? Because all, all energy carries frequency, light, and information. Okay. So if we can affect the energy uh, by, by changing the frequency, by changing the information, then we change ourselves at a subatomic level, which cascades up into the physical level. Yeah. This is part of the process that I understood when I, I, I wanted to heal my heart. So quantum mechanics quantum weirdness whatever we want to call it is looking at the smallest components of of existence yeah that make up the greater whole that's what it means to me okay and because things pop in and out of existence and everything exists uh, out there uh, all possibilities are already in existence then it goes back to the question if it, if it already exists because science is telling us this and spirit religions have been telling us this for for yeah thousands and thousands of years why aren't we tapping into it you know why aren't more people tapping into it because they, they can if because if you think about it we, we live this life where you think right i'm at point a and i want to have all this by the time i get to point b so you have to work along that 
gradual thing to get there. And then some people never reach that. So all along the way, they're looking for the end goal, but missing all the beauty in between. Now, if you if you live in the present moment, every step of that journey is precious because you'll never get it back. Okay. Uh, and what it's taught me about life and death has, has been liberating. You know, I know, I know what one day this is going to go. You know, I'm not going to be, it could be tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. But because of my understanding of the way energy moves, you know, it can't be created, can't be destroyed, can only be transformed. Then my energy will transform. So I'm not going anywhere in terms of dying. I'm just transforming into everything else and I'll continue on. I'll continue on in my children. I'll continue on in, in, in other human beings on the planet. And right now, when we breathe, every breath we take, we ingest atoms. Uh, and those atoms and subatomic particles, they, 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 they've been in the bodies of some of the greatest people on earth. Christ, Buddha, you know, um, St. Teresa, you know, e even the worst, uh, Hitler, you know, Stalin. We're, we're breathing them in and breathing them out because it's, it's all in existence. So we never go away. And recently, I, I lost our pet dog we had for nine and a half years, you know, and as, as it, anyone with a pet would know that's a very heartbreaking thing you know and i was fortunate enough to have him in my arms when he went but my understanding of this process helped me cope with it a lot better i was still sad still grieved but my understanding helped me transition through that much quicker and and not stay in a state of constant sadness and depression so we actually call this podcast living in the matrix because we believe we're living in a simulation and at a, I've studied neuroscience a lot, and I actually believe that our identity is stored in our default mode network, which is part of our amygdala. It's a system within our brain. And it creates this idea of Jonathan Brink or a Mark Dawes. Yeah. That is a construct of identity that we construct, but it's hard to let go of. And when I discovered the unified field, I realized that at a subatomic level, there is no difference between you and I. That's just energy. And like you said, it goes in and out of existence, but it also transfers between the two of us. We're not separated. We're connected. How hard was it for you to let go of Mark Dawes and realize I'm bigger than that? Um. To be honest with you, it wasn't hard at all. Um, <laughs> it was when, when, I, when I decided that we would take early retirement, I, I worked for two years, you know, figuring out, you know, how what I'm going to do and working on, on the spirituality side of things. And I'm going into the quantum mechanics deeper to prepare myself for the fact that the Mark Doors that was isn't going to be around anymore. I'm not going to be this guy that runs a business, this guy that's in, you know, doing stuff in court and everything else. And it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You know, when we actually signed the company over to our trainers that day, my wife and I had a little celebratory drink. And I said, it's nice not existing anymore. That was, those were my exact words. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, that doors has gone now. I said, let's find out who this one is. You know, uh, and it, it was really easy. And I think if anyone prepares for it, because I, I know I know a lot of people who, when they retire, they, they don't know what to do with themselves. They, they've got no identity. They can't identify with anything. And they get massively depressed and sad. Um, so going back to your point, you know, who, who is Jonathan? Who, who is Mark? You know, who are, you know, what's this construct we're living? And the Matrix thing, uh, the, the film series and your podcast, it is exactly like that. You know, Bruce, Bruce Lipton talks about it. You know, give me the child and by the age of seven, I'll show you the man. Because we program children, you know, for the first seven years of their life. And they live that programming for most of their lives. You know, it, that becomes their default construct. So it is totally like the Matrix. And we need to wake up and come out of it. Well, that's what we would call the ego. And this ego becomes this construct that we think we are. And I realized I spent uh, probably 10 years deconstructing that idea of myself. Mm. And then when I discovered quantum mechanics, I realized, okay, at a unified level, at the very bottom level, that's what really helped me see is that the material matter is the splitting of that. And we keep, it gets more complex, but at a, at a unified level, we're all energy. And I realized it was very liberating because I didn't have to be anything that anybody wanted me to be. 
Like, you know, like in you letting go of your business, you let go of what was part of your journey, but it wasn't who you are. So you could move on. And I think a lot of people get stuck in, but that's who I am because their identity is in who, what they do, uh, who their family is, what their name is, their identity. And it's, we're bigger than that. We're actually bigger than that. I mean, the, the ego, it's the, it's the biggest con, con person in the world because the right. ego tries, tries to sell you stuff to become something that you already possess. You know, you think about but it. But that's the trick. That's the trick is we've convinced people they're not enough, they don't have enough when they are enough and they do already have it all. Yeah. That's, that's an alternative reality. And I think that's ultimately, so I grew up a Christian, that is what I think Jesus is ultimately trying to say. I believe Jesus manifested hardcore. He changed the weather. He changed other people's bodies. He changed their capacity to have faith. And I think ultimately we're all looking for that freedom to be able to manage our own lives, to have self-control. But we get lost in the ego and that's the, that sleeper period where we're, we're, completely run by it how did you transcend that what was what was that journey like or you said it was actually quite easy what do you think that journey was about well uh, you know as i said my journey started a long time ago so when i say it was quite easy it was quite easy at the end when i made the the decision because i built up to it over a period of time but uh, going back to talk about jesus you know one of the great prophets that that ever lived no, no two ways about that and he he was the living epitome of what we're talking about. You know, he, he could manifest things, you know, absolutely no two ways about it. What he was doing was showing people that, look, I can do this, you can do this too. Because if you look at the disciples he chose, he didn't choose religious scholars. He didn't choose educated people. You know, um, you know he, he chose people who, who were, in, in the eyes of the, 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 the religious people, sinners, you know, and outcasts. He chose them because he said, I've, I've come to, to basically save you, and I'm going to save you by showing you what you can do, and then you go and help others to do the same thing. Uh, and I think it's a tremendous story, but it was interesting. I was in the States a few years ago, and I, I went to, to visit a church, and... As I walked in the door, this guy said, oh, you're from the UK. I said, I am. He said, before you come in, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, do you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I went, what if I don't? He said, what? I said, well, what if I don't? He said, well, why wouldn't you? I said, Jesus wouldn't have minded. I said, it'll let me in. And he got totally confused. And he said, um, I said, can I come in or not? And he went, yeah, and he let me in, but he wouldn't leave my sight. He, he stayed with me all through the service, and at the end of it, he was outside the church talking to me, and he said, I, I don't understand why, why you said that. And I said, well, if you understand why Jesus was here, you'd understand why I said it. And, and I think it, that is a story, but it's an example of how people, even in religion, get stuck in one mode, in one vehicle of what it must be. When, you know, I mean, Thich Nhat Hanh spoke about Buddha and the Christ, and Christ you know, in, in, in the same sentences, because they're both so such influential and important people, and they could do things that the average human being couldn't do or couldn't realize. But they were, I, I believe they were teaching us that we have the capacity to do this stuff. You know, if we can, you know, if I said, I'm just a guy, if I can heal my heart and my friend can heal his cancer and my other friend can heal himself from a brain hemorrhage and a stroke. And I've heard so many stories of people doing this, then you have godlike powers because you're one in the same with God in the universe. God might be another name for the universe, but we're one in the same, you know, so why can't people express this? And I think to the fact that even in churches, sadly, that people are, I won't say put down, but there's, there's an element of control. You know, if you're good, you'll go to heaven. If you're bad, you'll go to hell, you know, and you need to do this. And you've got to go and pay pay this price and so many Hail Marys and all this sort of stuff. Well, they, you know, that's always been an interesting question for me. But but I think that we all have the the power to manifest. We all have the power to heal. We, you know, 
people need to tap into it because it's there right in front of our eyes and it's within us and it's outside of us we're living in a, in a duality that doesn't exist you know when information comes in through our eyes it goes through the brain to various junction boxes and when it is presented as then what we see 80 percent more information is added by the brain so what we're seeing is 80 percent a construct anyway you know and what people don't realize is we're we're generating light and pushing it we have i think it's seven or ten million light receptors on the eye and we have 10 times that in light generators at the other end of the optic nerve in the brain so we're kicking out more light than we're letting in so people have asked for years what's why are we throwing light out there well you're throwing light out there because that helps you create the reality that you're generating and constructing inside your head so that you can live it every day i don't like my reality change it What's next for Mark Dawes? Like what you've discovered this capacity, you've let go of your business. What is next for you? Like where does this journey take you next? Got no idea. <laughs> but but there's a freedom in that for you. Yeah. What does that feel like? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, the other day someone who I hadn't seen for for years uh, sent me a message. And they said, look, we're going to be in, in your area in a, in, a, in a week or two's time. Let, can we meet up? I'd like to see you again. I said, yeah, I'd love to see you. He said, where should we meet? I said, I don't know. He said, what time? I said, I don't know. Whenever you like. He said, no, I need to plan it in the diary. This is just a meetup. And I went, well, look, when you get here, give me a ring and I'll meet you. I don't even do that now. I want to actually jump into a subject because you brought it up. And that is the idea of convergence. Because that changed things for me when I understood that concept of it's because I've lived, I'm a very intellectual person. I've realized over a lot of my work over this last year that I spent most of my time developing my mind and missed out on my heart. My, I, I was always secretly developing my heart, but I was never consciously bringing them together. Explain for our listeners what you see as convergence, because I think that's what changed everything for me. Once I got it, manifesting became much easier it became something much more real unpack that for us yeah i mean we talk about mind and heart curves. They, they've got to be working together uh, particularly for a manifest so that if your mind is thinking about something and your heart is generating a state of fear it's not going to happen they're not in coherence yeah so if, if you're if you're thinking, you know, I, I want to have this job or I want to be able to do this or not worry about this, but your subconscious mind is going, well, actually, you know, you're going to worry about it and you're probably not going to get it and all the negative stuff. Then your heart kicks out a negative energy because uh, it's got massive circuitry in it. So we first need to understand that we are a limitless soul. Yeah, with universal possibilities and that we can have and do and be anything we want to be and it all starts with the way we choose to think but then we must have, have a deep sense of gratitude and love for that because as you said before love is the most powerful of all the emotions and when we do that the heart opens the heart actually opens up and it gets larger and i actually for me what i do is i visualize my heart turning white and opening up and white light coming out of it uh, and that's how, how I see that happening. And then whatever it is, I want to be drawn towards me and, and the light. So in the simplest of terms, as I just mentioned about the light generators, when I'm thinking about what I want, I'm out thinking, right, that's what I want. But working from the basis that I already have it, and then the heart generates the gratitude and the love and the thank, thank you for actually having it already. Now, it doesn't mean it's just going to, magically pop up there and then but i let the universe decide that i don't push it you know because if you're trying to say well i want it now i want it now i want it now then you're creating resistance and if you think i want it now i want it now i want it now the underlying thought is why isn't it here why isn't it here why isn't it here so you're just creating more resistance so the heart goes I'm fed up with that you know why am i why am i putting all this effort into something when you don't even believe it's going to happen you know so you you've got to come from this point that it already exist you already have it in your possession even though even if it is only a mental image of it with with a heart coherence working in the same frequency range does that does that answer your question yeah because it's uh it's almost like faith is created by the letting go and it, it's not the what 
It's the when. Because faith puts us in a space of, okay, I, like, if all possibilities are real, I want to grab the one that's most consistent with what's resonating, Mm -hmm. but I've got to let go of when it unfolds. And most people, I think, don't like to let go of the when. They want it now. And I think that's, you know, from a psychological standpoint, that's just immaturity. So maturity is the capacity to delay gratification. And faith is really a process of developing a maturity to say, okay, let's be in partnership with this because I, and when you discover, oh, I really can, I can actually manifest. If I let go of the win, then I can do it more. But it's, I think most people get stuck on that first one. It's like, well, it didn't happen now, so I'm not going to believe anymore. And it, that letting go becomes the hard part because the ego doesn't want to let go of now. Yeah, I mean, I was I was fortunate enough uh, during my career to coach an, uh, a Paralympic athlete who, who won gold at London and Beijing. And um, one of the things that we worked on was she she wanted gold, desperately wanted gold. So we had to visualize her receiving the medal, her heart giving thanks for receiving it. But then just, I said, on, on the day, let it go. You know, when you walk out there, you've already asked for it. You've already given thanks for it. Let it go. And that letting go is the most important part. And if to grab the nearest thing and bring it towards us, it's the equivalent of driving a car with one foot on the accelerator and one on the brake. You know, something's going to burn out. It's it's not going to go anywhere to start with. You know, you're just just wasting time and energy. So we have to let go. And and letting go is in in itself a very liberating thing because we know it's there. You know, quantum physics has proved this, this theory. Uh, all the all the spiritual books, the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of the Buddha—they've all proved, they've all talk, talked about this for millennia. I mean, the Hindus have been talking about this for four thousand years. You know, mm-hmm. so we know that there's truth in this. And I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. When when I was in debt and I started practicing this stuff, I didn't want my wife to know. <laughs> so I used to lock myself in a toilet, and I used to write down my affirmations in a book and I would stick pictures of what I wanted in this book and I would look at this book daily and I'm convinced for a year my, my wife must have thought I had a dicky tummy but I, I would do this and I had a picture of a black Range Rover that I wanted to buy brand new and a picture of a living room with an open fire and oak beams running across the ceiling and I had a picture of, of a pub with a thatched roof and an open fire and, and Chesterfield furniture and I didn't know when this was going to happen and then my son got ill and he got ill with asthma. So we decided, I said, right, we're moving from London now because London is, is too, too much smog and stuff. So they put them in a car and we drove south. We didn't even know where we were going. We ended up on Hailing Island purely because my wife had a friend that she went to school with living on the island. So we thought we'll go explore this island. So we booked in a hotel. And we thought we'll stay for a few days. If we like it, we'll look for a house. So we went and saw a few houses, nothing clicked. And then Ian, my wife's friend's husband, said, oh, there's a house for sale down this little lane. Beautiful house, he said, but it might have sold by now. I said, we'll go and have a look. So we got in the car. We were on our way home, stopped at this house, and they had a, a handmade for sale sign outside, and they crossed it out and, and painted sold on it. So I thought, oh, I'll knock on the door anyway. What, what was there to lose? So I knocked on the door, and this lady opened the door. And I said, uh, please forgive me. I said, uh, I've seen your house is sold but we're looking for a house on the island. If, if it comes back on the market, would you let me go? Let me know. And I gave her my business card. She took two steps back and braced herself against the wall. And I thought, okay, uh, maybe I haven't shaved or I look a bit, a bit of a thug. And she said, uh, we lost our buyers this morning. I went, really? She went, yeah. I said, any chance of having a look? She said, yeah. And we went in. And the first one we went in, there was the fire and there was the oak beams. That's when I knew we'd found the house. And my wife said, can I have a look around? And they took her around, showed her all the house. And Wendy's husband was sat there. And I said, if she comes down and likes this, we're buying it. And he said, you haven't asked me how much it is. I said, well, how much is it? And he told me, I couldn't afford it. Um, my wife came down and she went, I really like it. I said, right, we'll buy it. And my wife said, but can I talk to you? I said, yeah, we'll talk in the car on the way home. So we shook hands on the deal. I said, get your the state agent to drop the paperwork and the solicitor and we'll get, we'll get this sorted. 
Um, on the way, we got into the car going, she said, we can't afford it. I said, we'll find a way. Six weeks later, we sold our house in London yeah, for more than what we thought we were going to get for it. Um, and we bought the house on Hailing Island. And when we were unpacking the boxes, I, I don't know what you're like, uh, Jonathan, but I get in the way. So my wife went, look, there's a pub down the road. Go down the road and just leave me alone for an hour. Go and have a drink. So I went into the pub and, the, and it didn't have a thatched roof, but it had an open fire and a Chesterfield couch. So I knew I'd found the right house and the right pub. And, and it was just, you know, I didn't know it was going to happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen. Just so happened it, it happened. Uh, then I had a, a, a maroon Range Rover at the time, and I was second hand one. And we went out for a drive one day and we passed the Range Rover garage. And I went in, and the, they had a, a black Range Rover there, brand new one. I thought, I like that. So I asked them how much it was. And I said, uh, okay. So I rang my accountant up and I said, Look, I said, I'm looking at this. He said, oh, just, I need to tell you, he said, we've got the end of your accounts coming up. You need to spend £48,000, he said, otherwise we're going to pay a higher rate of tax. So I said to the guy, how much is that car? He said, £48,000. So I'll buy it. And that, that's how that happened. And it's just weird how it happened like that. Yeah. It's not weird because that's how it works. Yeah. Is when we have faith, the universe gives us signs that are very specific to confirm you're on the right direction the problem is people don't get into that first space of faith to actually experience it that's the hard part is getting over that initial hump to actually try it and i'm just learning rich and i are are realizing that this journey is much more powerful i think i learned it about 30 years ago but my own fear took over and I'm just now rediscovering it, uh, that it's getting out of my own way yeah. and letting the universe do what it does really well, which is take care of us. If we will have faith, that's what essentially Jesus was trying to say. And all of the avatars were trying to say is just have faith. It's all going to work out. It's all well, going to work out. I heard an interesting statistic a few months back, and I might have the figure slightly wrong, but it's certainly in this ballpark, was when the Big Bang occurred, okay, what, 30.7 or 30.8 trillion years ago, 97 or 99% of all of the makeup in the were created within three minutes. Yeah. So, and... Um, that point of singularity now there was something there before the big bang definitely there had to be something there there had to be energy that then manifested itself into um matter compressing itself into something no bigger than the size of a pea being very small dense and very hot and then exploding so for that to happen there has to be a plan right? there, had, there had to be some sort of plan for that to happen so i believe the universe has got a plan for everything Okay, we can we can tap into this stuff. You know, it's it. And when I said, you know, that it, it was weird, I, I, I used the term weirdness in terms of quantum weirdness. You know, because I, I knew stuff was going to happen. I just didn't know when. And and that's where I like. And an interesting thing, business. I stopped writing business plans years ago. I had one when I first started the business. I had to to get a loan from the bank to start the business. But but it, it, you never stick to a business plan. And I thought right why am I spending all my time writing this stuff down when I don't really, that's not what I want. So my business was based very much on, right, what do I want to do today? Let's go and do that. And that's it. You know, uh, we built a, a on doing that on that basis. And so the quantum stuff, you know, this, this whole aspect has been a big part of my life um, for a long time. Although in the early days, I didn't know how it was, how it was happening or why it was happening. I just knew it would happen. Um, and I think that was good, actually, because if I just knew it would happen, I had faith that it was going to happen, you know, totally unwaverable faith. And that's now moved on to, to where I am today. Mark, this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation, and I really appreciate you joining us. Um, to all of our listeners, uh, Mark, how can people find you? Yeah. Uh, they, they can email me, um, markdawesqt at gmail.com. I don't even have a corporate email address anymore. I don't know why you with it. There you go. Uh, they can hook up with me on 
Instagram, uh, uh, Mark Dawes QT. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, just type me into social media. I tend to pop up every now and again. And to my to my listeners, if you look at my profile, you can find Mark. He uh, he's and apps. His reels are absolutely fantastic. If you want to understand uh, quantum thinking, because I've found Mark to be one of the smartest guys who gets it, who really gets this. It's very simple. It's not hard. Um, but this idea will absolutely change your life as you, and, and it's very consistent with how all the great avatars are wanting us to live, which is in faith. Mark, thank you for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And to all of our listeners, uh, much love. Thank you.